Well, we are currently in a series called Stop. You know, nobody likes to stop. We're too busy going. Truth of the matter is, stopping is what keeps things going. It's true in traffic. It's true with our lives. Our subject today is stop delaying. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop delaying. See, procrastination is one of the biggest enemies of victory. How many would agree with that this morning? And most of the time, we have no valid reason or excuse for our delay. Because you see, we know what to do. Now, for most of us, most of the time, we know what to do. We know what it is we ought to be doing, right? See, it's not that we are ignorant of what needs to be done. It's not that we are patiently waiting for direction or instructions. We, we, we know what we need to do. We just don't want to do it. Right? And so we dig our heels into the ground and we stall. Now, there's so many examples, so many scenarios I, I could talk about today, things that we know we should do. Well, I'm going to just suggest four to get you thinking this morning. Now, these may or may not relate to you this morning, may or may not be what you are all about this morning, but at least it will help start you thinking, jumpstart you to discover what it is for you in your life in particular. Let me suggest, first of all, perhaps you need to forgive someone. You need to forgive someone. Somebody hurt you. Somebody disappointed you. Somebody betrayed you. Somebody let you down. Somebody didn't follow through on a promise. Somebody left you holding the bag. Somebody took advantage of you. Maybe somebody said something hurtful. Somebody hurt your feelings. Maybe somebody misrepresented you to somebody else. Maybe somebody lied about you. And on and on and on the scenario could go. I don't know, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your parent, maybe it's your child, maybe it's your best friend, could be your boss, could be your employee. You're wounded, you're angry, you're bitter, you're frustrated. What should you do? What should you do? You already know what to do. Forgive. But pastor, it hurts. But pastor, they knew better. But pastor, they've done this before. A whole lot more spiritual over here than it is over here. What's wrong with you guys over here? You're delaying your forgiveness. I know. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? How many times should I forgive my sister who sins against me? He said, up to seven times. Now read between the lines. Something must have been going on, right? I don't know, maybe John had hurt his feelings. I don't know, but somebody, something was going on, right? Some of the disciples, they were having some problems there. And they come and they say, Lord, Peter says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? How many times should I forgive my sister? Lord, how about seven times? Now, listen, you might criticize Peter for setting a limit, but I think he's being really generous. I do. I think he was being really generous. But guess what? It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. What was Jesus' response? Was it, was it, wow, Peter, I'm so proud of you, man. 
Oh, man, I'm so proud of you, man. Oh, you're so generous. You have such a generous heart to forgive. You're willing to forgive up to seven times. Man, I'm proud of you, boy. Was that Jesus' response? No, Jesus said, no, Pete. Not seven times. Try 70 times seven. And knowing Peter's personality, I I can just see him calculating the math. Okay, 70 times seven. Let's see. 490 times. Oh, watch out on the 491st time. I can just imagine that going on in the mind of Peter. Was Jesus setting a limit of forgiveness? No, he was saying forgive every single time. Jesus also said in chapter 6 and verses 14 and 15 of Matthew, Jesus said, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. But, say but. Jesus said, but if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not, say will not. He will not forgive you. Wow, I have a word for somebody here today, and the word is stop delaying. You know what to do, so as Nike says, just do it. And hear me this morning, not just for their benefit, but also for your own. All right, let's look at another area where we know what we should do. We know we should become faithful. How many know that? We know we should become faithful. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, he says, as servants of Christ entrusted with his, me- with his message, it is required, say it's required. It is required that we become faithful. You know, God has done so much for us and yet we do so little for him. I said, God has done so much for us, and yet we do so little for him. Oh, he has been so faithful to us, and yet we are so unfaithful to him. We say he's our Lord. We even sing songs declaring that he is Lord. We say he's our Lord, but he's so far down on our priority list. We allow this and that and something else, oh, to come before him. We look at Facebook and Instagram far more than we read his word. We don't have time for prayer, but somehow we find time for gossip. We are hit and miss at his house, but we never miss a ball game. We say we cannot afford to tithe, and yet we have money for fast food, and we have money for movies, and we have money for recreation, oh, and on and on. Okay, I'm starting to meddle now. <laughs> starting to meddle. Stop delaying. You know what to do. You know what you need to do. You know that you need to become faithful. Here, here's another one. We know we, should, we know we should finish what we started. We know that. Now, I don't know what this might be for you in particular this morning. Maybe it's your degree. Maybe it's a master's or a doctorate. Maybe it's a project that you have started. It could be a Bible reading plan. It could be a daily devotional. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution that you have already abandoned. I don't know, perhaps God gave you some specific instructions or definite directions. You started, you started, but now you are stalled. Here's what I know, and that is the God that got you started can help you finish. 
Did you hear me this morning? I said the God that got you started can help you finish. Paul writes in Philippians 1 and 6, he said, I'm confident in this. What are you confident in, Paul? Paul says, I'm confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I'm telling you that the God that got you started is the God that can see you through. The God that got you started is the God that can help you finish. All right, let's look at one more thing where we know what we should do. We know we should flee an unhealthy relationship. Now, I talk about this a lot. In fact, I talk about it so much that when I went over my notes, after I'd written my message, I said, really, Benson, you're going to talk about this again? Come on. And if I'm recognizing it, I'm sure somebody out there is recognizing it. And I tried to take it out of the message. But God wouldn't let me. See, here's what I know, and that is somebody here this morning is going to hear what I'm saying for the very first time. Somebody here this morning needs to hear it. And somebody here this morning, you've heard it over and over because I talk about it so often. You've heard it over and over, but you have delayed responding. And so today is your day. And you've heard me say it many times, some of you for the very first time, but hear it this morning. Although we should love everybody, say we should love everybody. Although we should love everybody unconditionally, no matter how they act, no matter how they treat us, no matter what their actions are, no matter what their party affiliation is. No, 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 we, we, should, we should love everyone unconditionally, but that doesn't mean everyone has equal access to us. Just because I love everyone unconditionally and love everyone, that doesn't mean that I have. I, I should give everyone access to me and to my life. See, we must be very, very, very careful who we allow to get close to us. Who we choose to hang out with. Who we share our heart with. Who we tell our secrets to. Because here's what I know, and that is who we are and who we are becoming is determined to a great degree by who we allow into our inner circle, who we allow to get close to, who we allow into our personal life, who we spend time with. You say, Pastor, do you have Bible for that? Ah, just a matter of fact, I just happen to have some. Proverbs 12 and 26 says, the righteous should choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13 and 20 says, he who walks with the wise will become wise. Do you want to become wise? Do you want to become a wise person? Then hang around wise people. Do you want to be a wise person? Then, then, then somehow find yourself in the life of somebody who has wisdom and hang out with them and do more listening than you do talking. Because he who walks with the wise or who, he who spends time with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. So you see, we become like those we consistently hang out with. Some of you parents need to take a close look at your kid's closest friends. You're wondering where did this attitude come from because my kid didn't have an attitude, but all of a sudden my kid is copying an attitude. Where is this attitude coming from? Well, I want to tell you, you might want to look into their, their, their pool of friends because they just might be, have made a new friend with somebody that has an attitude, and the attitude that they have has gotten onto your kid. You need to take a close look at your kid's closest 
closest friends. Listen, I, I don't know. You need, you need to be like we were in our house when our kids were growing up. In our, in our house, when our kids were growing up, we made our house the house. We made it the house. Or let me say my wife made it the house. Okay, let me get, let me get totally honest. My wife made it the house house. It was a house to go to. It was a house to hang out to because there was going to be food there. There was going to be snacks there. There was going to be movies to watch. There were going to be things to do. It was going to be a fun house. There was going to be some fun there. It was a place to hang out because we knew that if our kids had their friends hanging out at our house, we knew where our kids were. We knew what our kids were doing. Mostly. They get sneaky on you sometimes. If your parents need to take a close look at your kids' closest friends, you need to keep a close eye on their social media activity. Oh, my, it's unbelievable. I can't believe what goes on and what some kids are involved in. And most kids today, it's sad. And then some of us, us adults need to take a look at some of our closest friends. Are they negative? Are they cynical? Are they consistently critical? See, some of you thought you went to a great church till you started hanging out with so-and-so. And all of a sudden, you heard all of the problems of the, church, of the grace place. You didn't know they had any, but boy, they tell you they are, so they must be. Hello? What about your friends? Are they negative? Are they cynical? Are they consistently critical? Are they worldly? Are they ultra-liberal? Are they chronic complainers? Are they rude, crude, and lewd? Stop delaying. It's time to flee an unhealthy relationship. Pastor, you see this all the time. Well, then start doing it. Stop delaying. Now, let me clarify this statement. I'm not telling anyone to get a divorce. I know church people. Don't use this as a God word to bail on your marriage. You know, Pastor said I should flee. Telling anybody to get a divorce this morning unless there's abuse or sexual infidelity. Just covering my basis. All right, we've talked about the fact that we know what we need to do. Now let's talk about the fact that we know why we need to do it. See, not only do we know what we need to do, but we also, really, we know why we need to do it. And why do we need to stop delaying? Well, let me briefly mention six whys. Six whys why we need to do it. First of all, simply because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous psalms and one of the most favorite psalms of most uh, church people, although most people don't really understand Psalm 23, but it sounds pretty, so they like it. But Psalm 23, verse 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And notice this, he guides me along the right paths. Say right paths. He guides me along the right paths. Why do we need to stop delaying? Because it's the right thing to do. How do we know it's the right thing to do? Because our Lord has revealed it to us. He has led us down this path. And here's what I know, and that is he will always lead us down the right path if we are willing to follow him. Why do we need to stop delaying? Number two, because we're in rebellion if we don't. We're in rebellion If we don't, James chapter 4 and verse number 17, James says, if anyone knows what they should do and does not do it. I like James. 
He's a bulldog. That's why I like him. He's my twin. Amen. I should have been named James. He's a bulldog. He just calls it like he sees it. He just calls it as it is. And James says in James 4 and 17, he said, if anyone knows what they should do. We've already talked about the fact we know what we should do, right? We know what we should do. And James says, if anybody knows what they should do and they do not do it, he said, it is a, a what? A what? It is, it is a sin to them. See, if we know what we should do and we're delaying doing it, then we're in rebellion. You know, we often say that we are waiting on God. How many has ever heard anybody say, I'm waiting on God? What you do? Waiting on God. How many has ever said it? I'm waiting on God. Well, you know, I think it's possible to wait on God, but so often we say that we are waiting on God, but usually we're not waiting on God. Usually God is waiting on us. It's not we're waiting on God. God is waiting on us. And oftentimes when God is silent, oh, you know, and then people say, you know, pastor gets up there and he talks about God speaks to him. I sure wish God would speak to me. Often when God seems to be silent and when it appears that God isn't working on our behalf, he's not working in our situation, he's not working in, in, in our circumstance. So listen, listen, it's, oftentimes it's because God is waiting on us to act on instruction A. See, see, we're looking down the end of the line at number Z or letter Z. All we can do is focus on the outcome. All we can focus on is what we want. All we can focus on is Z when we get to the finish line. But God is waiting on us to act on instruction A. Because how many know that God will never move us to point B until we have first responded in obedience to what he instructed and told us to do in point A? And it's not that God wants to be silent and it's not that God doesn't want to move us back. It's the fact that God is waiting on us and God is saying, I already gave you instruction. I already gave you the first step to take. I'm not going to give you the second step to take and I'm certainly not going to tell you step number 13 unless first of all you act on step number one. I'm waiting on you. You're not waiting on me. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You think you're waiting on God, but you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you, and you have delayed your obedience, and God says to you, and this is a prophecy right now, God is saying to you that if you will act on what I've already told you, then when you act on what I've already told you, then I will tell you something else. And if you will act on that, then I will tell you something else. But until you do what I tell you initially, I'm not telling you anything else. Another reason why we need to stop delaying is because our actions reveal our character. In Matthew chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, Jesus says, He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Here's what I know this morning, and that is what's on the inside of us will show up on the outside of us. I'm going to say that again. I said what is on the inside of us is going to show up on the outside of us. Our actions reveal our true character. And until the inside of us is changed, it is futile to try and change the outside of us. That's why religion doesn't work. You cannot change yourself. It is impossible to change yourself. But religion says do this and that and do something else and change yourself. Oh, but Jesus says let me come into your life. Let me come into your life and I will change you. But I will change you on the inside. And when the inside is changed, then the outside will automatically begin to change. Here's something I know, and that is everybody struggles with something. Everybody. Say everybody. Even you, old spiritual one. Everybody struggles with something. That's not, there's not a perfect one among us. Whether you're dealing with lust or anger or jealousy or greed or bitterness or pride or, 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 or. But everybody is, everybody is struggling with something. Everybody is has issues. Say, I have issues. (laughs) Some of you didn't say it. (laughs) All of us know. Not only do all of us know we have issues, but all of us know what our issues are. But let me let you in a little bit, a little secret. Those closest to you know what they are also. It's time to stop delaying. It's time to deal with the issues. Say, deal with the issues. Yes, it's time to stop delaying. It's time to deal with the issue. It's time to get real. It's time to get honest with yourself and honest and real with God. And it's time to cry out to God and say, God, change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Change me on the inside. Change me on the inside. Oh, so that my character will begin to change on the outside. I just think I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. I just think so. Let's look at another reason why we need to stop delaying. That is because we reap what we sow. Galatians 6 and 7, Paul writes, he says, do not be deceived. He said, a man is going to reap what he has sown. And here's what I know this morning. That is the longer we delay, the more seeds we sow. And the more seeds that we sow, the bigger harvest we're going to reap. It's true with good seeds and it's true with bad seeds. And some of you this morning are delaying the sowing of good seeds. They're good seeds. And you know that you need to be sowing these good seeds, but you have delayed your sowing. You know you should be planting good seeds like kindness. We know kindness is a seed. And you know that you're not very kind, and you know you need to be, and you know you need to be more kind. Maybe it's more kind with your husband or your wife or your children or, or the kids at school or your teacher or whatever it might be. But you, you know you should be planting some good seeds like kindness. How about some good seeds like affirmation? Affirmation. Fathers, fathers, let me tell you. Let me tell you, that little, that little boy of yours, that little girl of yours, oh, they are looking to you above everybody else, even above mama. They're looking to you for affirmation. They're looking for you, and they're listening for daddy to say, I am so proud of you. Oh, I just love you. You're such a sweet little girl. You're such a sweet little boy. I I, I love you, and I'm so proud of you. And they're starved. They're starved for the affirmation of their father. 
And there you have the seeds in your hands, the seeds to build them up and to encourage them and to make them become somebody through the words that you speak over them, but you delay. You need to, some of you need, to, you need to plant some good seeds, sow some good seeds like faithfulness. Some of you need to plant some good seeds, sow some good seeds like tithing and giving and generosity. Oh, oh you watch others reap their harvest, and, and because they are reaping their harvest and you aren't reaping any harvest, you begin to become bitter, you become angry, become jealous of them, and you even begin to be angry at God. God, why are you blessing them? Why? Why, God, are they being so blessed? Why do they have this, that, and something else? And I have nothing, and you begin to get bitter and angry at even, at, even at God. You look at your own life and see no harvest. Oh, you, and, and, but here's the problem. You haven't planted any seeds. You haven't planted any seeds. See, you can't reap a harvest if you don't plant any seeds. I don't care. I don't care that you rode it till the backyard. I don't care, you know, that you made the rose. I don't care that you water it every day. If you don't plant some seeds, you're not going to get a harvest. You're not going to get a harvest. And then some of you are harvesting crops that you don't want. It's not that you're not getting a harvest. You're getting a harvest. But the harvest you're getting is a harvest you do not want. And you too are becoming bitter and you're becoming cynical and you're becoming angry. But I ask you this morning, what kind of seeds have you been planting? Because your harvest will come from the seeds you plant. See, see your harvest will reveal what kind of seeds you planted. The harvest will tell off on you. You can say anything you want to, but the harvest will tell us what kind of seeds you've been planting. I've told you many times, I'll tell you one more time, it fits here, and some have never heard it before, but I, many, many years ago, I decided to have a garden. Anybody knows me knows that's the last thing I do. Success to me is being able to hire somebody to mow my yard. That's success. And I became successful about 30 years ago, and I ain't mowed a yard since. Amen. That's how I feel about it. You don't like it? Come over and mow my yard for me. Amen. I'm just, come on, I'm just messing. Sometimes the anointing and annoying gets crossed. But I decided I'm going to have a garden, and so I planted myself a garden. Well, one day one of my deacons happened by, and his name was Bud. And I said, hey, Bud, I said, I want you to see my garden. Bud knew me. He knew I didn't know anything about gardening. He probably didn't even believe it, but he followed me into the backyard. And with so much pride, I revealed to him my garden. And I reached down, and I said, going to have some mighty nice tomato plants here. Mighty nice tomatoes going to come from here. He looked at those plants, and he said, no. I thought he was making fun of my planting or something, you know, making fun of my plants. They weren't as pretty as they should be. No. Yeah, 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 but I meant, I, I, I'm going to have some wonderful tomatoes right here off of these vines here. No. No, you're not, Pastor. I wasn't used to this man, you know, disputing my word. You know, what's going on? What's going on here? Am I in trouble now with the deacon? What is it? He said, Pastor, you might get some nice pepper plant peppers off of those plants, but you ain't getting no tomatoes. Those are pepper plants. <laughs> I said, No, sir. 
I went to the gardening store, and right there on the, on the shelf there, it said tomato plants. He said, it might have said tomato plants, but somebody put pepper plants where the tomato plants were. And sure enough, he said, well, listen, when, those plant, when, that, when the fruit comes, when the crop comes, you're not going to get tomatoes, you're going to get peppers. Listen, some of you are getting peppers when you're wanting to get tomatoes. Maybe you are taking your seeds off of the wrong shelf. Amen, because I'm going to tell you, whatever you sow, that is what you are going to reap. And I don't care how bad that you want something else to reap, be reaping in your life. I'm telling you that you're reaping the crop is going to come from the seeds that you have sown. Oh, my. Mm. When I'm preaching good, it's hard to stop. When I'm preaching bad, I want to preach till I get good. Here's what I know this morning. No seeds equal no harvest. No, I got my buddy over here down here, so I'm kind of pulling from him. <laughs> Preachers kind of pull preach out of you, you know what I'm saying? Why should we stop delaying? Because we reap what we sow. Let's look at the fifth reason to stop delaying. I've got two more, and I've got to do it in one minute and 36 seconds, and it ain't going to happen. Amen. Because we represent Christ. Because we represent Christ. Hey, I've just got a, a reminder. Hey, we, it, what time is it? Huh? No. It's 12. No, it ain't. It's really 11.15. So I've got an extra hour here. Come on. <laughs> All right, the fifth reason why we need to stop delaying because we represent Christ. I love the story of the little homeless boy that was looking with longing eyes through the glass doors of a fast food place. It was obvious that this little boy was poor. It was obvious that this little boy was hungry. His mama looked the same. A kind old gentleman noticed the scene, and so he walked into the fast food place, and he ordered food for this hungry mama and this little homeless, hungry boy. He walks back out of the restaurant, he opens his sack, and he hands the food to this mama and this hungry little And as the kind old gentleman walked away, the little boy said to him, said to him, hey, mister, hey, mister, are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? Let me ask you this morning, has anyone ever mistaken you for Jesus? I said, has anyone ever mistaken you for Jesus? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, he says, we are Christ's ambassadors. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who represents somebody else. And he says, we are Christ's ambassadors. He says, as though God were making his appeal through us. That's exactly what he's doing. See, there are things that we need to stop delaying and start doing because we represent Christ. Hear me this morning. Jesus wants to flow his love through us. He wants to heal somebody's hurt through us. He wants to meet somebody's need through us. Stop delaying and get busy. Stop delaying and start doing. The last reason why we need to stop delaying that I want to mention today is this, and that is because of the results. We can get some help on the platform this morning. I'm going to do this one really quick. Because of the results. See, not only will the lives of others be better, but our lives as well. I've been serving Jesus for a long, 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 long time now. And hear me this morning. I have learned that my life is richer. I have learned that my life is fuller. I have learned that my life has has more meaning when I live in obedience to God and his word. When I do what I know to do, I know what to do. You know what to do. And when I do it with pure motives, and when I do it with the right heart, and when I do it with generosity, and when I do it without 
delay. The word for somebody here today is stop delaying. Our takeaway for the message this morning is this. The longer we delay, the easier it becomes. And delayed obedience is disobedience. Father, I just pray that you'll take the word that has been shared this morning. Holy Spirit, will you do what needs to be done in the hearts and in the lives of your people today? In Jesus' name.